the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We're coming towards the end of our series on the Lord's Prayer. Join us. We're in Matthew chapter 6 and Luke 11 today on Abounding Grace. If you've ever wondered what to pray, when to pray, how to pray, and why to pray, you need look no further than the Lord's Prayer. Greetings and welcome. This is Abounding Grace with our teacher and pastor, Gary Wagner, from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Our series has taken us over the course of the last couple of months through the Lord's Prayer found here in Matthew chapter 6 and Luke 11. It's been a marvelous study of this amazing outline for prayer, if you will, the disciples' prayer. And it's given us great reasons and great things to pray for and pray about. Join us now for today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. Here's Pastor Gary Wagner. To pray is to cast off our burdens. It is to tear away our rags. It is to shake off any of our diseases. It is to be filled with spiritual vigor. It is to seek the highest point of Christian health. And God gives us to be much in the holy, out arguing with him in prayer. Let me stop here and ask you, have you ever experienced these things while you were praying? Or even afterwards? While you were praying, did you feel you were bathing in a cool stream, avoiding the hot, scorching sun? Did you feel as if you were mounting on eagles' wings above the clouds into the clear heaven of God? Did you feel like you were going into the treasure house of God and enriching yourself out of the inexhaustible supply? Did you feel you were grasping heaven in your arms and embracing God in your soul? Did you feel your body was the temple of the Holy Spirit? Did you feel you were casting off your burdens and tearing away your rags and shaking off your diseases and being filled with spiritual vigor? Pray that when you pray, my good friends, and you will experience these things. We not only have an example in Job, we have an example in Jacob. So turn, if you will, to the 32nd chapter of Genesis. We'll read Genesis 32, 9 through 12. O God of my father Abraham, and this is Jacob praying, and God of my father Isaac, O Lord, who said to me, Return to your country and to your relatives, and I will prosper you. I am worthy of all the loving kindness and all the faithfulness which you un Sorry, I am unworthy of all the loving kindness and all the faithfulness which you have shown to your servant. For with my staff only I crossed this Jordan, and now I have become two companies. Deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he come and attack me and the mothers with children. For you said, I will surely prosper and make your descendants as the sand of the sea, 
which cannot be numbered by the multitude. Now here is how Jacob is praying. He's asking God, petitioning God to rescue him from Esau. He knows that Esau, with an army of men, is on the horizon. And he assumes that Esau is coming after him to get even and to wipe out his family, steal all of his wealth, because earlier in their lives, Jacob cheated Esau out of his birthright and his blessing. So Jacob prays to the Lord, and he asks him to save him from Esau. And then he gives three reasons as to why he thinks God should answer his prayer. Three arguments. The first is, God, you are the God of my grandfather and my father. You have always been the God of this family. You have always protected this family. And just as you have protected my grandfather and my father, I am asking you to prove your faithfulness in your covenant to me and to watch over me and protect me. Moreover, God, I humbly remind you of the promise that you made to me. You promised that I would prosper. Lord, dead men don't prosper. Save me from Esau. Lord, I want to remind you humbly of something else you said. You promised me that I would have more descendants than the sand of the sea and the stars of the sky. Lord, dead men can't father children. Deliver me from Esau. So do you see what he's doing? He is humbly arguing with God and giving reasons to God to support his petition as to why he thinks God should answer him right out of God's own promises. Well, we also see this in Paul in the New Testament. Paul prayed like this in Romans chapter 15, verse 30. Now I urge you, brethren, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. You see, he's making a request, and he is enforcing it by who and what Christ is and does, and by the love of the Holy Spirit for Christ's church. So when we come to the conclusion of the Lord's Prayer, we see the same thing. The conclusion, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, is the presentation of the arguments and the reasons to God as to why he should answer the six petitions that we've offered him. So that we are praying something like this. Father, cause your name to be honored, your kingdom to come and your will to be done, because yours alone is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Father, provide us with our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. Save us from temptation and deliver us from evil. For yours alone is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Lord, nothing in all of creation, neither human nor demonic, can prevent you from answering the prayers you yourself have taught us to pray. Because yours is the kingdom and the power. And the glory. Notice what Jacob and Joseph and Jesus got their arguments. What is the source of these arguments they used to enforce their petitions? They weren't taken from any worthiness in man. 
They were taken from what God revealed about Himself, about His own character, and about His own will in the Holy Scriptures. There's a great prayer that you need to read someday in Daniel. It's in chapter 9. But right now I'm only going to read to you one verse because Daniel, one verse, because Daniel says it so well. He says, Open your eyes and see our desolations, for we have not presented our supplications before you on account of any merits of our own, but on account, Lord, of your great compassion. So when you present your reasons as to why God should hear your prayers, don't bring up anything in yourselves. Don't say, well, Lord, you should help me out here because, you see, I'm just a pretty good guy. I'm just worth it, Lord. That doesn't work with God. You don't plead anything in yourself. You plead what God has revealed about Himself, His promises, and His will for us. And get one thing straight in your mind when you pray. God never answers your prayers because they deserve to be answered. Don't think you have ever asked God to do something and God did it because you deserved for Him to do it. We are such sinners. We don't deserve for God to answer one single prayer of ours. So when he does, it is sheer, unmerited, undeserved grace. So if you're going to enforce your petitions with arguments and reasons to why you think God should answer your prayers, which is the way that you should pray, make sure your arguments are not taken from anything in you, but are taken from God only and the revelation of His character and His will in the Holy Scripture. So, what is the first purpose of this conclusion of the Lord's Prayer? It is to teach us how to pray. It is to teach us that when we petition God and make our requests of Him, He wants us, so we will be impressed with the value of our desire to enforce and support our request to Him with arguments and reasons that we draw alone from His Word as to why we think He should answer them. And when we do that, beloved, we do it submissively, saying to God, However you answer it is ultimately fine with me. The second thing this conclusion of the Lord's Prayer teaches us is that we should join praise to our petitions. If you ask the average person on the street, what is the main purpose of prayer? Most of them would say to petition God, or more likely they would say to ask God for help. Most Christians would say, we are totally dependent creatures, and God is the almighty, inexhaustible source of blessings. Therefore, the purpose of prayer is to get what we need to be his servants in this world. No, not quite. Now, it is true we live by asking. It is true that we are totally dependent on God. It is true that we are to beseech Him for those things we need to be His faithful servants. But petitions and requests are not the chief element of a Christian's prayer life. 
The chief element in prayer is adoration and praise. You see it time and time after time in the prayers of the Bible. You see it also in the Lord's Prayer. Jesus doesn't let you get around to asking things for yourself until after your praise. And then after your petitions, he says, get back to adoring him. You start out with adoring him. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And now you get to ask something of him. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead, Lord, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil because more adoration. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. So you see, the chief element in prayer is praise and adoration. That is the essence and deepest meaning of all prayer. So what is adoration? Well, think about the last time you adored your wife or your husband, if you can remember that far back. Men, what do you do when you adore your wife? You don't necessarily quote poetry to her. You don't think of something eloquent to say, necessarily. You just tell her what it is about her that you love. That's what adoration is. That is what we do when we adore God. The first prayer we pray in our worship service every Sunday is not a prayer of confession, not totally a prayer of thanksgiving, nor a prayer of intercession and supplication. The very first prayer made from this pulpit every Sunday is a prayer of adoration for God. That is where we are to start, and that's where Jesus started in the Lord's Prayer. We are to just tell God what it is about Him we dearly love, which we have learned from His Word. In fact, just thinking about God should make us want to praise Him. Does it you? If you meditate upon God and what the Bible says about God for very long, you're going to find yourself praising Him and thanking Him and adoring Him and telling Him, I love it, Lord, that you are sovereign. You're holy, and I love that you're holy. I love that you're gracious. I love that you're kind. You can't think about God for very long as a Christian without praising Him. And that is the chief element of prayer. I want to give you a little test. When you go home today, go off by yourself and see if you can pray for five maybe 10 minutes, just adoring and pleasing God, and don't ask Him for anything. It's my bet you can't do it. Don't ask Him for anything for at least 5 to 10 minutes as you adore and praise Him. And this should impress you with how rare prayers of praise and adoration are. Spend 10 minutes telling God what you love about Him and ask For nothing. Lord, we praise you because you are holy, sovereign, majestic in holiness, awesome in wonders. We praise you that you have all things in your hands. We praise you that you are high and and lifted up. You inhabit eternity and are contrite of heart. Lord, make me. You've already done it. 
Don't ask him for a thing. Try to pray five or ten minutes just telling God what you love about him. We learn from the conclusion of the Lord's Prayer that our petitions must always be accompanied by praise, beloved. Paul points out the centrality of praise and prayer in Philippians 4.6. He says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. In everything, in everything, with thanksgiving and praise. Whenever you pray in everything, whatever happens to you in this life, There should be something in that situation, that circumstance, that should move your heart to adoration and praise and thanksgiving. And recalling God's glorious perfections. Meditating on His mighty works and His gracious promises. And praising Him for those things that keep us from being overly concerned about our immediate problems. In fact, sometimes... Our problems dissolve in praise. Have you ever experienced that? Have you ever gone to prayer and had two or three problems that were really a burden to you? And you settled in to bring those to God. And before you do, as a good Christian, you begin with adoration, which again is where prayer should always start. Not give me, give me, give me, Lord. And you start praising Him and telling Him how much you love Him because of what He has done for you and who He is and what He has revealed to you. And then after you have adored Him for a few minutes, your problems just don't seem so huge any longer. That happens, beloved. Our problems can shrink in our praise. Try it and see if it doesn't work. Let me give you some more biblical examples. Here's an example of pure adoration and praise, ascribing to God alone sovereignty, omnipotence, and glory. 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verses 10 through 13. Now, when I read this this week, I actually thought that this Jesus had this consciously on his mind when he told us to pray the Lord's Prayer. Listen carefully. So David blessed the Lord in the sight of all the assembly. Now, before I go on, I want you to pay close attention to see if you can pinpoint the request that David makes here. So David blessed the Lord in the sight of the assembly, and he said, Blessed are you, O Lord, God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. Indeed, everything that is in the heavens and on the earth is yours. Yours is the dominion, O Lord, and you exalt yourself as the head over all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. And in your hand is the power and might, and it lies in your hand to make great and to strengthen everyone. Now, therefore, our God, we thank you that we can praise your glorious name. Did you see what he asked for? Nothing. He asked for nothing. There are no petitions in that prayer. This is a prayer of pure adoration. Beloved, you need to write it down. And you need to pray it yourself. And listen to this prayer of adoration from David in Psalm 47. Again, It is just pure adoration 
and praise. David, in Psalm 47, says, O clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. For the Lord Most High is terrible. He is a great king over all the earth. He shall subdue the people under us and the nations under our feet. He shall choose our inheritance for us, the excellency of Jacob whom he loved. God is gone up with a shout, the Lord with a sound of a trumpet. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises under our king. Sing praises, for God is the king of all the earth. Sing ye praises with understanding. God reigneth over the heavens. God sitteth upon the throne of his holiness. The princes of the people are gathered together, even the people of the God of Abraham. For the shields of the earth belong unto God. He is greatly exalted. And then, of course, the, the uh, psalm that uh, Jose read earlier today, Psalm 8, is also another uh, psalm of great praise and adoration without any petitions to God whatsoever. So there is a second person purpose for the conclusion of the Lord's Prayer. The first pers- purpose is to teach us that we are to join argument with petition, The second purpose is to teach us that we are to join praise with petition. And the third purpose of the conclusion of the Lord's Prayer is that it gives us encouragement. And we'll look at that in more detail next week. The conclusion of the Lord's Prayer is a great doxology, beloved, to a wonderful prayer. And in praying this prayer, it helps us to abase ourselves and exalt our God as we see just how dependent we really are on him. And I want to conclude today by reading to you from the Valley of Vision a prayer on prayer. And let us allow this to be our closing prayer. It's simply titled, In Prayer. O Lord, in prayer I launch far out into the eternal world and on that broad ocean my soul triumphs over all evils on the shores of mortality. Time with its gay amusements and cruel disappointments never appears so inconsiderate as then. In prayer I see myself as nothing. I find my heart going after thee with intensity as long and long with vehement thirst to live to thee. Blessed be the strong gales of the Spirit that sped me on my way to the new Jerusalem. In prayer, all things here below vanish, and nothing seems important but holiness of heart and the salvation of others. In prayer, all my worldly cares, fears, anxieties disappear and are of as little significance as a puff of wind. In prayer, my soul inwardly exalts with lively thoughts at what thou art doing for thy church. And I long that thou shouldest get thyself a great name from sinners returning to Zion. In prayer I am lifted above the frowns and the flatteries of life and taste heavenly joys entering into the eternal world. I can give myself to thee with all my heart to be thine forever. In prayer I can place all my concerns in thy hands to be entirely at thy disposal, having no will or interest of my own. In prayer I can intercede for my friends, ministers, sinners, the church, 
Thy kingdom to come with greatest freedom, ardent hopes, as a son to his father, as a lover to the beloved. Help me to be all prayer and never to cease praying. May God bless all of this to our hearts and to our minds. And that'll bring us to the end of our time today here on Abounding Grace with our teacher and pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Thank you for joining us today. It's our hope and prayer that we've been able to encourage you in Christ and stimulate your walk in Him. To address questions, comments, prayer requests, or concerns, please call or write to us. We'd love to talk with you. 408-866-5607 is our phone number, 408 408- Eight six six five six zero seven. You're also welcome to visit our website. Drop us an email when you do, reformedheritage.org. Real simple, reformedheritage.org. A lot of information there about who we are. We would invite you again to stop by, reformedheritage.org. Or if you're writing to us, the address is PMB, post mailbox, 402, and the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, 95032. That address can be found on our website, reformedheritage.org, or again, simply call 408-866-5607. Copies of today's program are just $5. Mention today's date, and we'll get a CD out to you. And please remember that we are listener-supported, which means when you link arms with us financially, we're able to continue the ministry here on this station. It's a great way to study God's Word together, isn't it? And we'd love to continue to do so. Would you prayerfully consider how God might be leading you to partner with us? We'd love to hear from you. Again, won't you call 408-866-5607 or reformedheritage.org. Sunday services, by the way, if you'd like to join us, are 2 in the afternoon. We're located at Lone Hill Church, 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org. Again, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. Further information can be found again at reformedheritage.org or by calling 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, God bless. (music) 